This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. Did you know that using DistroKid's Canvas function, you can enhance your listeners' experience by showing looping videos while they listen to your music on the Spotify app? This is also a great tool to drive increased shares, streams, and saves of your music. This is a free feature for all DistroKid members. Take advantage of this awesome function and so many more using our DistroKid discount link, distrokid.com slash VIP slash MPW. Uh, what am I saying? This is MPW, 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 the podcast with your host, Zylo Aria. Cool. A podcast about music production for the everyday musician, where we learn from experienced studio engineers and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the MPW podcast. I'm your host, Zylo Aria, and today we are so lucky to be chatting to Dom Smart, also known as NeuroDriver. So Dom does loads of different things, including sound design, editing, music production, sound engineering, mixing, programming, synth programming, and creating plugins. So uh, yeah, just such a variety there, Dom. Well, hello, and thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, yeah. Very good to have you here. And yeah, we'll be talking about sound design and we'll get to that in a minute. But how's your day been over there, Dom? You're based in the UK. Yeah, pretty busy at the moment. A lot of projects going on. Right now, I'm pretty consumed with the uh, software development side of things. So um, last few years, I've... uh, running a company called Devious Machines, and we're making plugins for um, for music producers, sound designers, that kind of thing. So we're just putting the finishing touches on a new new product we'll have out soon. So. Oh, that's exciting. Did you start that company? Uh, yes, with a, a friend of mine, Jim, who's another developer. We've been working hard at this over the last few years, released uh, we're on our fourth fourth product now. Yeah, wow. So it just sounds like you do so many different things, which is great. And and I'm sure, you know, some lend themselves to others, but I'd be keen to know how you kind of got to where you are today. And, and I'm sure there were a lot of twists and turns into your journey to now uh, programming. So yeah, I'd love to hear a bit more about that. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I'm from a really musical family. My dad's an organist. My mum was a violin teacher. So I had the real privilege of a musical education from them. They uh, they got me cello lessons. I did a bit of musical theory. I think they were quite keen for me to take up the classical music thing. But, you know, like many teenagers growing up in the 90s, I was just besotted with the explosion of interesting electronic dance music that was happening at the time. And, just, yeah, just became fascinated with that side of things, really. And... Um, very much curious to find out about music technology, you know, learn how the, all these really interesting new sounds were made. So um buried myself in the world of uh, computer music and synthesizers, really, as much as I could. Wound up going to university to um, do the Tom Meister degree at Surrey, which, um, mm. funny enough, I saw you had uh, Olga Fitzroy on the show a while ago because um, we were at uni yeah. there together. I was just going to say, I was like, oh, I wonder if you were there at the same time as Yes, Olga. we were, actually. Yeah. We used to <laughs> hang out. Great to see oh, her doing awesome. so well. But yeah, went there and um, as part of that degree, they, they send you on a year in industry to do a placement. And I did mine at Electronic Arts, the games company. So um, after I'd finished my degree, I wound up working for them. But so that was that was my inroad into doing the sound design side of things, really. But at the same time, I was always working on music, you know, writing electronic music. After uni, set up a group with my friends called Farsi Loud, and we made a bunch of breakbeat music and uh, ended up, yeah, having a lot of fun doing that. 
Yeah, I was always sort of working parallel careers, really. I was doing half music, um, which I dipped in and out of as a profession, sometimes doing it full time, but then also mm. doing the kind of sound design type um, game development work for quite a while as well, because I'm sure um, yeah. sure it comes up a lot. It's very difficult to make a, a full-time career out of being a mu music artist, even though it's great fun. Yeah, yeah and, and that's just been it, really. You know, uh, working game development that taught me a bit about making software, hence ending up doing what I'm doing now, but also being a, a music artist and DJ alongside of that. And um, yeah, I guess I just didn't like to stick to doing one thing too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. No, love it. Love it. And you did mention it's hard to, uh, you know, make money from being an artist, but also it's really great that there are other avenues such as sound design, which you're still working with sound and stuff. So that's that's still really great. And was that something that you sort of fell into and it became a way to generate income or was that something that you were specifically really interested in or maybe that developed over time? Uh, maybe a bit of both, I suppose. Yeah, the option to work at the games company was something that came up through the university's links with industry. And um, when that option came up as a you know young third-year student, I thought, well, that sounds interesting. I'll, I'll go and speak to them and have a look at it because I'd always been interested in the tech side of things anyway. And I think just... Mm. just being a bit of a geek, you know, it sort of suited my particular <laughs> aptitudes. So, so yeah, got right. into that. But I, I was completely new to the world of sound design at the time. I was more, until that point, interested in music technology. So it was a, it was quite a learning curve, learning about the because um, right. that that side of sound design is very much kind of rooted in the um, the film industry art artistically. Although mm -hmm. there's the whole kind of tech and software side of it as well. So it's an interesting right. um, amalgamation of worlds. Mm. Oh, fascinating. That's, uh, that's really interesting. And yeah, something you mentioned before we started the interview was sound design is such a broad topic and can mean so many different things. And I, I've definitely heard that from people, um, even with running MPW, people ask, you know, how do I get better at sound design? And, and that's just such a broad question, I would say. So do you, by any chance, have a one-sentence definition for what sound design is? Well, I, I thought long and hard about that question because it's actually <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a simple question with no no easy answer, I think. Because, yeah, like you say, I mean, the, the, the term sound design means such different things to different people and depending on what industry mm. you're in. I mean, I suppose broadly speaking, it's just, I would say, the creative process of crafting and manipulating audio. But that can, that in itself can mean so much. Um, I think the term was originally coined in connection with the, the film industry when um, the, it made the transition through being sound effects as being a purely a thing that was recorded on set and, you know, to go with very, but the, to kind of create the sort of sounds you might experience in real life into a more sort of creative role where the sound effects played a much more kind of emotional uh, role in, in the experience you would have with the film. And, um, and you know, it's, tur it's turned into a real art form in itself, which is just mm -hmm. as important to, to movies as the music these days, I'd say. Mm. So yeah. I guess, the, yeah, the term was, um, was coined to describe that, that more creative role. But um, in the context of music, it, it means something very different as well. So... Uh, I mean, I hear a lot of people talk about sound design in the context of um, electronic music producers who are actually mm -hmm. putting a lot of effort into making their own sounds, making sounds in the music which no one's ever heard before. So mm -hmm. I suppose mm -hmm. the process is analogous but not the same because I mean, mm -hmm. whilst there's a big overlap in skills, I mean, 
slightly different things. And I, I doubt, you know, I, I doubt that um, people who do sound design for the world of music would necessarily be able to jump straight into sort of doing the sound design for mm. a film or a game, for example, because they're mm-hmm, such mm-hmm. different different skill sets. Different skill sets. Yeah, cool. Well, you've, uh, I guess, covered a few different areas that sound design uh, might be using, which is, which is great. And it's interesting to talk about other areas where this comes into play. Like I think, I'm not sure if you mentioned gaming yet, but anything outside of those big areas? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, software, I suppose, user interfaces, websites, cars. I think probably everybody of my generation has that uh, Windows startup sound that was designed by Brian Eno kind of etched into their memory, you know, from Windows 95. (laughs) Even, you know, in the world of radio, TV, drama, theatre, you know, there are sound designers of a different type working in those fields. That's so interesting. I never thought of most of those things. Fascinating. And you said cars. Is that the sort of sound design for electric cars or even petrol engine cars now a lot of them have fake engine sound that comes through the speakers to make them more more exciting and then there's the sound of the user interfaces and so on Uh, not to mention all the branding you know the advertising and so on these are yeah yeah, yeah. i mean the sound plays such a important part to the uh Mm. to, to how a brand is experienced by people that yeah a lot of lot of effort and thought goes into that yeah Oh, fascinating. So interesting. So when you are designing a sound, let's say for something in film, and I know that's probably really, really broad, where do you start? Is there some sort of like blank canvas that you start with or is it different every time? Yeah, I mean, I I guess the first part of designing a sound effect for something will be understanding what it actually is, what's making the sound, where it fits in the context of a scene. Perhaps what kind of personality or emotion that that sound's going to convey. I mean, my experience, I, I have no experience in the world of films, but in games, it's very similar. And we took, um, we're always watching films for inspiration, you know, taking a great deal of um, technique from that world. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, I would say, it, uh, yeah, it does really depend on what it is. If it's a central character or a central element to a scene, it's going to be something really important. So yeah, I might spend some time understanding what it is, think about what kind of elements I want to use, how, how it's going to make people feel, you know. It's um, a bit like if you're, say, selecting a drum sound to put in a mix, you know, are you going to pick a big thundering kick drum if you want people to feel excited or is it going to be something more, you know, softer and laid back? And I mean, something you, you see in um, a film sound a lot, or, uh, one, one of the techniques that gets used fairly often, so much it's almost a cliche, actually, is the mixing of um, either human or animal sounds into things that are completely mechanical. For example... There, say a fireball appears on screen, one of the really common things that you'll hear in those are like a, a lion roar or some like fierce animal sound mixed into the sound of the flame. So so it has, suddenly it has a personality and it's got some organic element to it, you know. Wow. I can almost like see it in my mind's eye, like a fireball with a roar and it just sounds so natural. <laughs> so when you say emotion, would you say that certain types of sound lend themselves to a more sad scene and like happy or anger or or something like that i mean i suppose um yes the the way the sound is presented can have a big impact on how you perceive a certain scene like something you'll uh you'll often see where you have an emotional scene of the sounds become very close very very intimate and sometimes part of it's in the mixing but part of it's in the, the kind of sounds that are chosen like you'll get um 
like for example a lot of emphasis on the, on the foley the sound of the clothes or the sound that the people's bodies make as they're as they're moving and stuff and that that can kind of bring the listener in really close to the scene whereas uh yeah anger mm. well an example like like the lion roar i just mentioned you know that can be something mm. ferocious that could be added to something inanimate to give that sound a whole different personality so mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah there's really just such a, a broad spectrum once you begin to unpack it of uh yeah, of things that yeah, sound yeah. effects can do which uh and the wonderful thing about it like um in a similar way to music is it functions on a very subconscious level so people aren't necessarily mm. aware of this stuff when they're uh when they're watching a, no. a movie or playing a game but it's but it's there and it's uh it's um yeah something just giving an extra layer of depth to what you're perceiving and once you start to kind of listen to this stuff critically and analyzing it you'll start hearing these little animal sounds and other human elements everywhere. Yeah. One real treat I had a few years ago was um, I was working on a, a Star Wars game for Disney, and I got delivered the some of the original sound effects tracks from Ben Burke from the original Star Wars series, which are in the the sound design world are legendary. So I probably yeah. just spent a good hour in my studio listening to R two D 2s bleeps and whistles um, in isolation, <laughs> which is. Really fascinating because, I mean, you think you listen to it in, in the film and you'd think it sounds synthetic, but listening to that track under a microscope, it's full of little human sounds, whistles, <laughs> you know, wow. all sorts of things that are just mixed in with the sounds of a synthesizer and blended together in this really interesting way. Wow, that's so interesting. Like even you just sort of mentioning those few things of like clothes rustling and stuff like it's something that I've never even thought of. So yeah, it's it's fascinating to think about it in that detail. And I feel like I might change the way I, I watch film now <laughs> just to kind of, yeah, listen out for those things. So um, really, really cool to hear that background. And when you are designing these sounds, do you more often use samples or would you more often record do you have a process? I would say both, equally important. Quite often, working on commercial jobs, time is always a pressure. So there just simply won't be the opportunity to create everything from scratch, much as we'd all like to. So, yeah, I think it would depend on the uh, it would depend on the actual element that was being designed. If it's uh, mm -hmm. if it's a central, say, a central element to the film or to the game or what have you, one might spend some time recording some really unique sounds, really getting all the elements that are going to go into making that something special and unique. If it's a door slamming in the background, you know, it's a, a transient event and probably not so important, then yeah, it's, fine to yeah. use, it's fine to use a sample. And I think something I would say for anybody in, interested in perhaps getting into, um, into doing sound design is one of the best things you can have other than kind of, you know, the, developing the skill set for yourself is a good, a large library of samples that you can search quickly. Mm. Every, every sound designer has to have a big database at their fingertips because, yeah, that time you just need a, a footstep or a door slam or the sound of a window closing or something, you know, you're not going to have time to go out and record every single element. So, yes, yeah, so, samples, absolutely. Mm. Is there somewhere you'd recommend to source these? Uh, I know Boom Sound Effects do loads of really good libraries. There's a, there's a site called Sound Dogs on the net where you could just search. Um, if you want a particular sound effect, you can tap in type in what you want into there and just download individual sounds. Sound ideas libraries are a staple in, the, in that world. And 
yeah, mm-hmm. there's plenty out there. Right, and and yeah, so you mentioned about mixing during the sound design process and how does that usually uh, work or how would you go about that? I would have thought that with sound design you might have like a single sound coming out or or something like that. So maybe it's not as important with the mix, but um, what are your thoughts on that? I would say that mixing is just as important as any music mix and um, can often be more complicated actually because uh, with a lot of music you have a fairly well-defined set of instruments whereas um, Mm. in a uh, sound effects film or game mix you can have any number of things going on at once and uh, in in the film world it's common to have somebody whose job is dedicated to mixing Mm. and whole sound teams so yeah it's um, definitely something that needs to be thought about. Games throw up their own set of challenges because whereas in a film it's pretty deterministic which sounds are happening at once because it's Mm, set to a mm -hmm. picture and the action's the same. In a game, it can very often be different every time. So uh, in that world, one gets into the area of dynamic mixing, which is um, setting up rules. And uh, much as you might do something like in a mix where you sidechain a bus from a kick drum to punch a hole Mm. in the mix for that sound, you would... You know, you would do the same thing with sound effects too. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I didn't really think about that in a game. Uh, you could have all the sound effects sort of at once, uh, depending on what's happening in the game. So something to think about. That would make it quite challenging, uh, I would have thought. So are there any techniques or resources that you'd recommend to improve your sound design skills? Yes, absolutely. And I think um, just with music mixing, probably the... Mm primary skill is learning to listen critically listening to how other people do do the uh, soundtracks to films adverts listening for the emotion in sound how how different things are put together what gives sounds their character what makes a good or bad mix yeah and then i would say recording is um a really important area so location studio recording foley which is, um, mm. you know, that's when you act out sort of movements in the studio to, you know, recreate the sound of people moving around, footsteps, that kind of thing. Ah. And to a lesser extent, I suppose, for the, the sound effects world, synthesizer programming and effects processing, that kind of thing, always plays mm. a role. Mm. Right. Okay. Okay. And did you study all that uh, in your degree or, or was it mostly learnt on the job? Um, completely learnt on the job. Um, oh, well, what I should say as well, there are some really good blogs out there. Um, a couple mm. of them I read sometimes, designingsound.org and soundeffect.com. And there are mm. lots of interviews, articles on there to do with you know the sound of various games, films, TV shows, mm. all sorts. So that's a really, really interesting resource for people who want to find out more about that. All right. And are there any particular plugins that you really love or or you use really often in what you do? Uh, plugins, I think just having a good bread and butter set of sound engineering tools is really useful. Mm. I like I like the Waves plugins, but mm. I mean, actually most DAWs come with a decent set already. A few good quality reverbs, really handy. I love the Valhalla plugins for that. They're, yep. they're great. Um, <laughs> for music stuff as well, just fantastic. Yeah. Um, Not too expensive either. Because I'm a massive geek, I love Reactor. I mean, that's a Mm. whole world that, (laughs) you know, you can choose to get into or not. But I found that really useful in the past because if you don't have a particular effect or combination of effects, you can make it. And for some video games I've worked on, 
particularly ones that you know hinge more around synthetic effects or sort of sci-fi creatures and so on. I've created a whole character by developing a reactor instrument to process you know certain sounds like take take vocal sounds or animal elements and stretch them through through some unique process I've made. So. So that's really right. good. But I mean, that's not something I would say you, you have to get into. It's a whole rabbit hole on, on its own. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay. Yeah. I don't know anything about Reactor, actually. So yeah, interesting that you managed to create whole characters out of that. So really cool. So if someone were to get into sound design or want to uh, have a career in that industry, uh, is there any advice that you have on where they should start? Yes, I think, um, I mean, first of all, perhaps identifying the primary in industry of interest, because as we talked about earlier, um, sound design for music technology is markedly different from doing sound design for, um, say, films, television, um, video games. Uh, video games has its own set knowledge as well. So I think, you know, not necessarily... You don't have to kind of pigeonhole yourself to one thing, but probably deciding on exactly which area is most of interest is a good place to start. And I think just learning about the art form, I mentioned those blogs earlier on, you know, reading as much around the subject as possible, interviews with um, prominent sound designers, going back to the films or whatever they've talked about and listening to them critically, you know, really starting to practice what I call active listening, which is, you know, when you're sat watching a film normally you take in the sound subconsciously because you're concentrating on the action but really remembering to um, instead kind of separate yourself from what's going on visually and, and hone in on the soundtrack really sort of think analytically about what's going on a bit like when you you know when you get into music production you listen to you start to hear the sounds in the records differently rather than just kind of absorbing the audio you'll start to think about how these things are made how they're put together how they've been mixed so these are all really really good skills one can develop as a as a person starting out in sound design um what else qualifications can help um definitely there are lots of um degree court degree level courses around the country in both sounds for you know films television um and for video games so they can be a really useful way of getting background knowledge um getting a first up on the ladder but um and the great thing now is that there's just so much information out there on the internet as well. So, you know, not doing a course shouldn't be a barrier to, to learning about these things. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for that insight, Dom. Uh, we have a couple of questions from our audience. And one is actually kind of an extension of what you just said, but from Carmel Komiski. So Carmel asked, what is the best mic for field recording? So the probably the most useful microphone you can have if you're going to do recording on the move is a good shotgun mic. Um, so shotgun mics are really directional, so they zoom right in on what you point them at and aim to reject as much of the surrounding ambient sound and reflections as possible. So, I mean, that's really good if you're recording in a difficult environment or on the move. Um, and the other thing which you'll always see people use when recording outdoors is a blimp, which are the large sort of, um, lozenger-shaped containers that uh, go around microphones. Um, and the aim of that is just to reduce as much of the like, noise you get from the wind and movement as possible. So you end up with clean recordings and not, not recordings that are ruined by, by rumbling. 
And uh, if, if you're recording in a windy environment, you could also get what they call a dead cat, the fluffy coating that goes around the outside of the, uh, outside of the blimp, which um, keeps as much of the wind off as possible. Um, although they're not made of real cats, <laughs> just thought I'd say. If you're doing ambient recording, it's also good to have a nice pair of um, nice pair of Omni mics. I've, uh, the DPA DPA make really good um, Lavalier mics, which are the type you often see them clipped to people's ties when they're doing interviews on TV. But those are actually really good for uh, for mobile ambient recording as well. Like Omni mics are much better at um, rejecting wind noise. Um, they're a lot less coloured than the directional mics like shotguns. Um, and being omnidirectional, they just pick up everything that's going on around you. Cool, cool. No, that's good. That's good. And Sam Warren, who you do know, uh, asked, what are the materials that you design sound from? So she was saying, do you ever start with sort of noise as a starting point? It depends on the sound, I suppose. In the world of sound effects, actually, I, I would tend to not use synthetic sources so much and would yeah, tend to tend to maybe pull something from the library or record something. It's really interesting going back to um, I mentioned earlier on the sound of Star Wars. It's it's really interesting mm. how few of the sounds are synthetic. And you read the interviews with Ben Burton. He talks a lot about how you know the sounds he designed were tied back to the real world. But I, I wouldn't say there's necessarily a formula for it. It's more about um, yeah. just finding that noise that has got the right character or some element of something mm. you like. I think. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here with us today, Dom. It's been fascinating for me. So many things that I didn't really consider at all um, when we talk about sound design. So it's been interesting for me and I'm sure for our audience as well. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. So it's like almost 10pm for you. Is there uh, anything else that you're working on tonight or or no? Um, not this evening, no. Sleep, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good plan, good plan. I need to actually fix my sleeping pattern. So that that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks so much, Dom. Have a great evening. Thank you. It was great talking to you. We'll chat soon.